0: How's it going, everybody? I'm AJ hey Welcome to another episode of AJ Rants About. This episode was suggested by a fan slash friend, Ian. Thank you, buddy. I wasn't sure if I was going to do this one, but he wanted to hear my thoughts on The Invisible Man, so here we go. It's worth noting before I get into my thoughts on the movie, uh, my anticipation before seeing the movie. If you didn't know, uh, this was supposed to be part of... Universal's dark universe, their monster universe, which was supposed to be, uh, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, the mummy, which was actually the first and apparently only movie to exist in this universe. Uh, Due to that, it's that little Tom Cruise one that came out a couple years ago, due to it tanking the way it did, apparently they shelved this dark universe concept, which I'm more happy than sad. I'm happy that they're like, crap, this isn't working. So we're just going to cut it instead of committing to it like DC. Uh, But, I also think that the monster universe lends itself to uh, a shared universe just like the old 1930s monster universe. You know, it just it can be cool, but the mummy was awful. So, uh they decided to do uh kind of what Marvel did early in their during the universe. They decided to just do solo movies. So, the Invisible Man was apparently supposed to be Johnny Depp originally, and after the universe was basically canceled, they decided to take a different route with it. So they got Lee Winnell, the guy who I know him from the writer of saw the first saw. He also acted in it and he was the other dude in the bathroom. So there was Carl Elway's, And then the other guy, the not as good actor, unfortunately, but other guy in the bathroom. Uh, He also wrote, Oh gosh, what was it? It was a insidious. One of the insidious movies. I want to say it was two or three. And then he, his big claim recently is he wrote and directed Upgrade, which was good. And so they brought him aboard, and I was excited because I do believe he's a good writer. I never got to see Upgrade, unfortunately. I still want to. But apparently it was well-received, and so I was excited for this movie. I also knew it was going to be starring Elizabeth Moss, which uh, my wife watches A Handmaid's Tale, and so I kind of offhandedly watch it, and I think she's amazing in it. So I saw the trailer for this movie, and I actually stopped watching the trailer about halfway through, because once I got the concept, I was in. I was ready to see it. And for those of you who didn't know, the idea was there was a a woman whose crazy ex-boyfriend gets the ability to become invisible and is stalking her. That was really all I knew. And I was like, I'm in. Because I like The Invisible Man. Uh, I've seen a lot of iterations of it. I've read, you know, the books. Uh, I just, I don't think he does well outside of very personal stories. I mean, it's just a dude who's invisible. So having a story about a stalker ex-boyfriend is perfect, in my opinion. So once I got that pitch, I'm like, I'm in. So, from this point on, I'm going to dive heavy into spoilers for The Invisible Man. So, if you don't want to hear it, I suggest you stop listening and go check out the movie. Uh, or, if you just want to have a spoiled, then here we go. So, the movie starts out with one of the best openings I've seen in a movie. Super an awesome cold opening. With uh, Elizabeth Moss's character, who I believe uh, her name is Cecilia. Uh, waking up in bed. Uh, it's like four in the morning. And... You immediately get the vibe of, okay, she's trying to escape. Because she, like, really gently crawls out of bed without waking up her boyfriend. She, like, pulls pills out from under the bed, which shows, uh, I think it's diazepam. Because she drugged him and knocked, made sure he knocked, uh, he was knocked out. She went and, like, into her, like, their closet. And there's, like, a secret cubby hole with, like, a go bag, which will come up later. Grabs her go bag. And there's this really great... This scene... It, it does such a great job of telling us so much with so little technically we get the vibe that she's in an abusive relationship and due to the architecture of the house we get the vibe that this dude is like stupid rich and there's a cool moment where like she goes like, like there's again I didn't watch all the trailers so this might have been in the trailer but like you get the fact okay so he's rich you know I don't know what he does and she like turns on the lights and she's in this lab, this like cool Iron Man-esque lab with like a bunch of cool tech. So you're like, ah, so he's a tech guy. And so she gets out of the house, uh, little dog shows up and she's like, oh, I want to take you buddy. And he like bumps into the car in accident, sets off an alarm. So she goes, she books it out past this giant, uh, field that, that is their lawn, uh, the guy, I guess, wakes up. She, like, dives over the giant fence. And uh, it's also worth noting she took out the security stuff. And it was really smart. This type of movie, uh, it's easy to yell at the character for doing something stupid. But she, as far as I'm concerned in this opening bit, she played it really smart. She, like, aims the camera at the uh, boyfriend's face while he's sleeping so that she can look, like, on her phone, like, through the camera feed to see he's still there. And it, it was great. And so she gets out of there, runs through the woods, and uh, she's waiting on like the street. Her sister picks her up. It's like, what's going on? And they get in the car and as they get in the car, boyfriend is like charging towards the car, punches through the glass, and they take off. And he like grabs the uh her her medicine or something with the diazepam she poisoned him or uh, drugged him with, falls out, and he like gets his hands on it. And so that's our opening, which actually leads me to my first, I'll call it complaint. It's nitpicking, but this is also a general rule in reality. If somebody gets in your car out of breath and yells, go, just go, <laughs> there's nothing good following that person. And it drives me insane in, in scenes and movies where person jumps into the car, says, go. And the driver's like, what's going on? Tell me what's happening. No. Why would this person who, if you know the person, like the person in this movie, they're literally sisters. Just go. Like that, that drives me insane. There's so much like irritation in that tension. And it's not a good thing. makes me hate the character who's just not driving. Uh, But that's my, that's my little tangent about that. So cuts to two weeks later. And our character is in this, like we'll call it a safe house. It's this, this uh, new character named James played by Aldous Hodge, big old burly black man that just makes me feel inadequate in in, in every way. Uh, You get this really cool relationship between the two of them where you get the vibe that it's platonic, which is great Uh, and very like watchful protectory, which I really, really liked. So uh, she's hiding there and she's dealing with the PTSD of her abusive relationship with Adrian, the, uh, her ex-boyfriend, the Invisible Man. And Uh, Like she's afraid to go outside to like check the mail, that kind of thing. So then her sister shows up and she's like, what are you doing? I told you not to come here. And uh, her sister, Emily, is like, chill. Dude's dead. And then it cuts to them at Adrian's lawyers slash brothers uh, where he's reading the will. And it basically comes down to he, Adrian, is giving Cecilia five million dollars Over an allotment of like a hundred thousand dollars every month until it's like $5 million, which I'm happy that Cecilia took the money. I feel like it'd be really easy for a lot of uppity people to be like, Oh no, I wouldn't take that money. That is $5 million from a relationship that she already went through the crap for. Like she already got abused and dude's dead. And they had the scene a little bit earlier where, uh, James has a daughter named Sydney who wants to go to some expensive fashion school and they can't afford it. So perfect reason for Cecilia to take the $5 million. So she does. And they're celebrating that night. And there's this really uh, nice scene where uh, James and Sydney have their eyes closed. And Cecilia's like, all right, come into the living room. I got you guys something open their eyes. And it's a ladder because earlier they were like painting the walls and stuff using like a small step stool. And they're like, Oh, a ladder. Thank you, and Cecilia's like, yeah, it's great. You can climb it and use it to reach things. Like, huh? Like, what, 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 what's that? And on top of a, uh, on top of like a a bookshelf thing, there's a, a an envelope. So they Cindy uh, climbs the envelope, opens the envelope, and it's like, oh, it's like ten thousand dollars for uh, the first year of the fashion school thing. And uh, Cecilia's like, yeah, I'm gonna keep filling that up basically, and I'm gonna pay for your education. And so James and Sydney are in ec- ecstatic. And this scene is punctuated by something I really, really liked where, because it's exactly what I'm hoping for from this kind of movie. Uh, the scene, the, the camera angle changes suddenly to a really far distant shot there in like the living room. And it's like down the hall kind of around the corner. So it looks like, cause it is a point of view shot where it's clearly Adrian, the invisible man spying on them during the scene. And that's the kind of thing I was really looking forward to with this movie is creative ways to tell this invisible man story. Cause we've seen invisible man movies before we've seen hollow man and the original Invisible man. And heck even I'll count uh, the league of extraordinary gentlemen. So in this small scale story, little artistic decisions like that are great and appreciated. So, uh, I'm mean, I'll skim over the next bit, but basically, uh, that's when Elizabeth Moss's character Cecilia starts getting taunted by this ghost. Quote: "It's the Invisible Man." But so like she's in the kitchen cutting vegetables and like making breakfast on the stove, and they're like, "Hey, Cecilia, come here." She's like, all right. So she leaves the kitchen, and suddenly the knife she was cutting with gets taken off the table, and the stove, which has like a pot with a bunch of crap on it, gets turned all the way up high, so it starts burning the food. So they go in there and. Uh, Sydney grabs a fire extinguisher and sprays it out and they're like, Oh, that was, that was crazy. And, uh, the next scene's really cool because it's them by them. I mean, uh, Cecilia and Sydney in bed sleeping because uh, Cecilia is kind of, you know, traumatized messed up from the relationship thing. So oh, she's like sleeping in the bed and you see a couple like flashes really quick from the room. And their blanket gets, or their blanket gets pulled off, and like a bunch of flashes, and Cecilia kind of wakes up, and it's really clever because, like I mentioned, Sydney wants to go to fashion school, so she it would make sense for her to have these like, I don't know what the proper term is, but like big torso dummies where you can like stitch dresses and stuff around, and you put a little hat on it, stuff. It looks like the typical uh, Invisible Man from the old school uh, movie, his costume. So that's really neat. And so Sydney gets up in the middle of the night and she's like, huh? Weird. And so she looks at this chair and you can kind of see, it looks like, like butt imprints, like somebody invisible is sitting on the chair. Another awesome nod to the original invisible man movie. And so she like takes the sheets, and like throws it on there. And instead of like in the old movie where it shows his, like his shape, cause it lands on him. Nothing's there. So you're like, Oh, okay. But, it does an even cooler thing, where she's like walking with the kind of dragging the blanket behind her, and suddenly it just stops, like it's being stopped by something. She turns around, and there's something standing on the blanket. She's pulling, and you can kind of see—I don't know if it's his legs or something—but like you see his legs or his uh, like feet like standing on the blanket, stopping it, like basically pinning it to the ground, and suddenly. Another step forward onto the blanket, like closer to her, and she freaks the crap out. She like, gets thrown back and she starts screaming, like, James, James, James. He, dude, which I, good on him. He like busts into that room quick. So he jumps in and like, Sydney, like, pulls out some spray, uh, pepper spray from like the side of her bed. She's like, What's going on? And hi, Sebastian. There's a cat on my desk. Fuzzy boy. Anyway, so. Uh, there. It's kind of a first moment where it's kind of gaslighting Cecilia, which that's my joke is that this movie should have been called like Gaslight Man because basically the entire movie, the Invisible Man, is trying to gaslight Cecilia into think everyone thinking that she's crazy. In that everything he does is just enough reality and in motivation that it's like okay, she's clearly traumatized from her relationship. And so, I mean, I'll skim over a bunch of stuff, but like apparently an email gets sent to her sister with that says, like, I don't I don't like you. Shut up. You're you're the worst. I wish you would have died. Basically, just a hate mail, which I'll get to at the end. That's something I I don't have a lot of complaints about the movie. That's definitely one of the things I complain about. Enough stuff happens that Cecilia and James, thank God, visit Adrian's brother, the lawyer again, where she's like, tell him to stop and he's like what are you talking about and she's like he told me that if i left him he would find me and i wouldn't be able to see him and she's basically figured out that dude is invisible and james good on i mean before she revealed invisible good on james and this is just good screenwriting just such a good character where the lawyer's like uh do you know what this is about and james is like i know this is my friend And I know you're about to sit up and start listening to her. Like it's he gives such a tough teddy bear demeanor where he will jack you up, but if you're under his wing, he will look out for you. And so it's such he is a he's a great character in this movie. And so she does the whole bit about he's invisible, and the brother I gotta look up his name because this dude uh deserves for me to know his name. Tom, he does this thing where he's like kind of like liver uh, lip quivering. Like, you know, my brother abused me too. And, and actually I'll give them credit. This is a really, really well written scene, like dialogue wise, where he's like, the only thing worse than being invisible and stalking you is telling you he's going to do that, but not actually do it. And I mean, it, it is clever, and it also hits on the themes that this movie's trying to convey. Where trauma, it's kind of like the person, the the reason that you feel traumatized, the the abuser or whatever, is st- like in your head, still with you, even though they're not technically there. So this movie is a great uh, metaphor for that, both literally and figuratively. So Elizabeth Moths is like, eh, I don't know, I still think dudes. Uh, dude is alive and he's invisible. And then uh, Tom like shows a photo of Adrian's like bloody body. I guess he like cut his wrist apparently. And you're like, oh, well I guess he's dead. Even though as the audience you're like, okay, faked it, but okay, go on. And uh, a few more things go on. And like Elizabeth Moss, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep calling her real name. Elizabeth Moss. Cecilia is feeling traumatized by the thing, by the, Whole chain of events and how she knows Adrian's there. And there's like Sydney comes up to her, she's like, Hey, uh, do you want to have like a girls' night? And so he's like, Yeah. And like, as Sydney's getting up, all of a sudden she gets like freaking punched in the face, like hard. And she's like, What the crap? And then she's like calling for her dad. James busts in the room, like, What? And Sydney's like, She f- hit me for some reason. And I'll complain softly about it. I'm okay with it. But Cecilia was kind of far from Sydney where apparently she punched her. And so irrelevant. Just seeing it from our perspective, it looked a little weird. But as far as characters go in that situation, it makes total sense. But so James takes Sydney out of the house. and She's like, I got to get my daughter out of here. You seem crazy, but my priority is my daughter. Is that not fair? And so Cecilia's like, yeah, that's kind of fair. So they leave and there's this really cool moment where, uh, Cecilia, I think I'm going to skip ahead, but like, she basically calls out Adrian. She's like, I know you're here. You freaking coward. You're hitting a little girl. She's like, come on, hit me, be a man, show up. So she does the thing where like, I'm really happy that she acted like a re- a sane person during this kind of moments because From a outside perspective, you're like, okay, dude's invisible. We've seen all these movies with invisible people. So clearly you need to come up with some kind of defense. So she like takes coffee grinds and like throws them all over the floor. That way, if he does step on it, she'll see it. She like sits down with a knife, which yay. Biggest thing is yay. She arms herself right away. So sits there and's like talking, basically talking to him. Like, why me? You could have had anybody in the world. You're freaking rich and handsome apparently like why me and so she calls his phone and she hears the phone his phone ringing above her like above her head uh in the attic goes into the attic and finds a bunch of stuff so she finds uh the knife that disappeared earlier she found her architecture paperwork which i i didn't mention earlier but there was a scene where she tried to she was at a job interview she's like yep here's my our architect stuff I've done. And she's like, there's nothing in the bag. And then she's like, I I know I did it. And then she blacked out. And it's inferred that James drugged her with the same diazepam. Oh, it's also worth mentioning too, is the, the pills that she dropped earlier in the scene or in the movie end up in her bathroom with blood on it because his dude punched the, the window out. So his hand was all jacked up. Basically it's the way of Adrian's way of telling Cecilia that he is alive and, he's the one that's doing this to her. So does all that. And, uh, she finds the, the missing paperwork. She finds car keys and she hears, she gets a text on her phone, on the phone and says, surprise. And she hears the ladder moving beneath her. And this is a great, great scene of tension where she goes over to the ladder and she sees nothing. Cause it's like, uh, one of those, like it's the ladder she bought. So she like looks down, sees ladder, ground, nothing. And then she, and this happens so quickly. She throws paint and then boom, she it covers the invisible man. Who's right in front of her, just right freaking in front of her. It's so startling because you're kind of expecting to see something or at least see him, but she, he is so close to her face. Uh, so that's a, that's a scare. And that's something I'll mention right now too, is the movie isn't scary there's a handful of jump scares but it's suspensefuls the the genre i'd put it in it's very suspense thriller i wouldn't go scary and i know it is considered a horror movie but i really wouldn't consider it ultimately a horror movie definitely a thr- suspenseful thriller so then she like chases him like down the she gets down the ladder and like chases him around the house because you paint everywhere uh, everywhere but then he's invisible again you get this really cool fight scene between Cecilia and Adrian where she's just getting like picked up and like thrown around. And then she's like smacking him over the head with plates. And it's just, it's really cool because he's invisible. So you're just seeing her get attacked by nobody. And then she like runs out of the house and gets into a, like an Uber or something and goes to their old house. Uh, Because on her way out, of the house the first time when she escaped the beginning of the movie, she kind of saw this like thing that he was working on and she didn't really put too much thought into it. So she goes back over there and the house is kind of closed off. There's stuff draped all over the furniture and the dog is there, which that's like my wife could not get over that. And I'll agree with her. The dog was just left at the house. There was nobody taking care of that dog. What the crap was happening with that dog? So unless I'll I'll get to at the end of the movie. Um, so she goes around there, she finds the invisible suit, which is really cool because it's... And this could have been very, very stupid. But I thought it was it worked out because they really committed to it and it was an okay idea. It was a good idea that they committed to, therefore it worked out really well. It's a suit that you put on that has cameras all over it. And the idea, and I believe this already conceptually exists, but it basically feeds footage from behind the suit and displays it in front of it making it invisible which okay I accept it like it's to me the old school like mad scientist drinking a potion and becoming invisible himself running around naked it's been done to death and I don't think it works and if you're going to make a contemporary Tale of the Invisible Man, why not make it technology-based? Because this dude is clearly a tech genius. So, she finds a suit and she hides it in the little cubbyhole that she hid the, her go-bag in the beginning of the movie. And then the dog starts barking. So, she sees or knows that Adrian's there. So, she kind of like hides in the closet. And there's this cool scene where like the closet's carpeted. So, when she's staring at it, suddenly you see... F- like in foot impressions, like feet impressions into the carpet. She knows he's there. And so she takes off. They kind of fight for a minute and then she gets away. And then the next scene happens where she calls her sister up, who again isn't talking to her because she apparently sent her an email that was full of hate. And they she's like, meet me in a public place. Like and they go to this restaurant, which yay, again, smart character being realistic. So they go to this restaurant and there's this fun little bit with them and the waiter where the waiter is like just just doing his job. He's like, Hey, how can I help you? Uh they're like, Water, just give me water. And he's like, All right, well, we got spring and sparkling. And she's like, dude, water. And so he's like, Okay. And like walked away. And it's just he kind of stole that bit, that like part of the scene for me, because it was just it was fun. So something that bugs me in these kinds of movies is when someone's being gaslit and an example I'll think of is like, it happens a lot in horror actually, but like nightmare on Elm street or Candyman, you have the character who knows and it's something crazy, but nobody believes her. But these people are supposed to love her. And especially if it's like family or your husband or boyfriend or something, it's like, there's no reason for me to lie. So believe me, And this movie gives you that scene where Cecilia is like doing this so smart and so emotionally intelligent where she's talking to her sister like, you're a strong person. I need you. I would never lie to you. I love you. I have proof that this dude is invisible. And he is like alive and trying to ruin my life. And it starts working. And Emily is like, okay, you know, whatever you're going to say, uh, I will believe you. And it's that moment that you're hoping for. And like my go-to whenever this type of thing happens in a movie, it's like, imagine in, if this was in reality. And like your husband, your boyfriend, your dad or whoever, someone close to you comes up to you and goes, I'm going to tell you something. Insane. But I need for you. I'm cashing in our entire life's worth of trust and love. To believe the crazy thing I'm about to tell you. Because I have no reason to lie. And lives are at stake here. Please for the love of anything you worship. Believe me. And you get that scene. And Emily's like, she does that. And so. As. Cecilia is about to explain what she found. You kind of see Emily's eyes like kind of drift off Cecilia and kind of look shock in her eyes. And then the camera shows what she's looking at. And it's just a floating knife, the same knife that, uh, that disappeared from the kitchen earlier. You just see it. And by the time your brain, and this was brilliant filmmaking by the time your brain registers, Oh that's a floating knife. It goes and slices Emily's throat and kills her. And then as as soon as it slices her throat, then Adrian like puts the knife in Emily's hand and it it does the great job of holding for a moment where like your breath is like huh! and it's just kind of like letting you have that moment for a bit and I watch a lot of movies. A lot I watch, I watch a movie every day, frankly, every other day at least, I can't recall the last time my jaw dropped that hard. That was the biggest shock I've experienced in a movie in a long time. And it's extremely tactical because up to this point, nobody's died, short of Adrian, air quotes, nobody's died. And there's no reason to think this movie's going to be gory like that because you see her throat spill open. And so it's by design, the film has been so carefully reluctant to show you anything scary like that and like drastic that it just throws it in your face and it dropped my jaw. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, oh my God. And then after a beat, some people because they're in a public place, too. So, like, it eliminates that whole safety you feel like you should have in a public place because dude's invisible. So why wouldn't he be right there? That's the advantage over, like, Jason or Freddy or Michael Myers. So after a beat, uh, people around her start screaming and then the cops and waiters and stuff, like, break her uh, throat to the ground and arrest her. And then she gets sent to an insane asylum. Uh, At least like some kind of uh, like a clinic thing for the insane people while they try to basically charge her for murder because, yeah, every single thing of evidence screams she did it. So she gets thrown into the cell and like it's this great, great scene. And this was one of the moments, one of where I'm convinced Elizabeth Moss is a star. This chick needs to be leading more movies because she does so much. She carries this movie, by the way, because I mean, not in like no one else can act. Everyone does a great job, but it's just it's her for almost all the movie in almost every single frame of the movie is her. So she's like screaming. And she, at this point, she's gone full tilt where any outside perspective is like, oh, yeah, this chick's clearly crazy because she says like, and I quote, uh, you killed her, you killed her, he's right there, he's in the room with us, he's right there. I see you, I see you. And so everyone's like, okay, well, that's the second person this week to be saying this kind of crazy nonsense. So they sedate her, and uh, during her time there, it's revealed that she is pregnant. And uh, it's worth mentioning too, earlier she told like her sister and them that, he wanted Adrian wanted to have a baby with her and Cecilia knew that if she had a baby with him, that she was be a part like together with him or like a part of them would be together forever. So she, I guess took secret birth control pills to avoid having the baby. But as she's in the hospital and they give her, I guess a physical, they're like, you're pregnant. And she's like, that's impossible. They're like, no, you're definitely pregnant. And uh, then uh, Tom, the brother lawyer shows up and is like, you know, you had, one rule, basically, don't get charged with a crime, and murder is a crime. So, uh, yeah, you're losing your money. Sorry for you and uh, Sydney. We know you're giving her money for college. So, but there is a way this can all go away if you agree to have the baby and get back with Adrian. All's forgiven, and it's the reveal that he was in on it on this whole thing the entire time. And it's also one of the first times that it's hard confirmed for her that, you know, all her suspicions are true. Although, granted, earlier when she was getting uh, sedated, Adrian does say, surprise, like in the, in the cell. So all that goes down. She's like, I'm not signing the paper. And like as like he's kind of like, you know, cleaning up paperwork that she kind of threw around. She grabs like a nice fountain pen from his briefcase and hides it. And uh, he's like, all right, well think about it. We're watching you. And he walks away. And so she goes to her cell, hides the pen and guard checks it leaves. And then she goes in the shower and she's like, you're not getting me. And she freaking digs that pen into her wrist and starts like digging, uh, digging around, like pulling it, basically killing herself. And as she's doing that, all of a sudden, like the invisible man, Adrian like grabs her hand to stop her. And you realize this was part of her plan. And she's like, freaking gotcha and she starts attacking him stabbing him with a pen which makes his suit glitch out It's the first time we've got to really see him in the suit and again i cannot emphasize how dumb this could have been but it worked. it's scary and like it just it looks and i've got that thing where like little holes like a beehive i got chills again now little holes like little beehive things make me feel queasy and ugh it, it it's heavy of that because it's covered in in lenses little camera lenses so uh this is where things pop off guards show up and his suit is glitching out so the guard can see him and so guards die and then there's a big fight scene where like guards are trying to restrain both Cecilia and him because he's going around killing these guards and so it's it's a big scene that pops off and then he runs out of the out of the the hospital and she chases him down grabs a gun chases him down they go into like it's raining which was set up a little nicely in like the weather thing earlier where the weatherman's like, Oh, it's going to rain real good. And, uh, they, they're in the rain and like the, they're kind of fighting each other off and he's disappearing. And then he like tells her basically, uh, I'm not going to kill you because you have my baby, but I'm going to go kill Sydney now because you messed up. He gets in a car, drives away to to kill her. Cecilia calls James and's like, get home. Dude's about to go kill your daughter. So she steals a car, gets there. There was, by the way, Like I mentioned, writer and director wrote saw there's a Billy, which is the little puppet from saw Easter egg where he's like painted on the uh, on a wall, which is it was nice. It was a neat little uh, Easter egg. So she races home and James gets there first and. It cuts the Sydney in her room. She get the she gets the feeling that there's somebody there. And so she grabs the pepper spray and just starts spraying and then like you see you feel and you hear somebody react and get thrown against a dresser. She runs out and uh, James shows up and he gets in a fight with the Invisible Man. They're, and he starts losing. Invisible Man starts beating the crap out of him. And it's really gory. Uh, not gory, I guess graphic. Like brutal. Like you just see blood and you just see his body going limp which really sucks because you throughout the movie you felt that this guy was a, a constant of security. And by beating the living crap out of him, you have now eliminated that sense of security uh, that you felt as the audience and from Cecilia's point of view. So Cecilia shows up, sprays him with the uh, fire extinguisher that was set up earlier from the cooking scene in the kitchen. And she starts letting loose and starts, uh, she uses a gun and starts shooting holes in this dude. So shoots him a bunch, a bunch, which is great. And he's on the ground and she pulls off his mask and <gasps> it's Tom. It's the brother lawyer. And at this point I was like in ecstatic because I'm like, Oh crap. What if this is like scream and there's been two killers the whole time. And so, uh, cause it makes sense because like the suit was glitching out at the hospital suit gets to the, uh, to James's house and it's not glitching. It's because guess what? Two suits. So, uh, they arrest or they don't arrest, but like the cops show up and they're like, you know, we found Adrian. He was locked in his like basement and at his house. So it was all Tom the whole time. It wasn't Adrian. And, uh, Cecilia is like, no, it was Adrian. It, it was both of them, but it was Adrian as well. And there's like a, J, a James is like, from my point, like perspective, you got to understand he's like there's nothing to go off of here, which is fair because James is still is a cop and he's a good cop. And so he's basically trying to tell Cecilia that like, there's nothing they can do. This was done entirely too clean. All the evidence, everything points to Tom. So Cecilia agrees to meet with Adrian and get basically get back together with him, which is kind of startling. So she gets to the house and it's the first time you've really gotten to see Adrian as well, because uh you've seen like the back of his head and him in the shadows and then invisible throughout the whole movie. And this first time we really get to see him and they're like at the dinner table and she's like, okay, I'll get back together with you and you can be a part of the baby's life. If you tell me it was you and you realize it cuts to shows that James is listening in because, uh, Cecilia, Cecilia is wearing a wire. So Adrian's kind of looking at her like, what are you talking about, sweetie? It was all Tom. She's like, come on, tell me the truth it was you and they kind of have this back and forth and you get that Adrian is too smart to fall for this. And so he relents somewhat and is like, he says some kind of line or whatever. And he's like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. But should that really be a surprise? And kind of lingers on the word surprise. Cause that's been uh, set up earlier in the movie that that's kind of the word that tells her that, yes, that was me. But from James' point of view, it's just, it was a sentence. It was kind of whatever. So Cecilia is like, all right, well, oh, thank you. Well, Do you mind if I go get cleaned up? And he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So she goes to the bathroom to get cleaned up. And as James is kind of, or Adrian, I'm sorry, is sitting there at the dinner table, all of a sudden his hand grabs a knife and slits his throat. And he's clearly like kind of struggling against it the whole time. And then... It's such a great scene. Uh, then Cecilia comes out of the bathroom, air quotes, and is like, ah! She calls the cops. She's like, I help. My boyfriend, I think, is trying to kill himself. Ah. And like the camera cuts to the security camera perspective where you see that there's a blind spot behind a pillar. So Liz, uh, Elizabeth Moss's character, Cecilia, is like on the phone like, oh, come quick, and hangs up the phone and backs out of frame. And the second she backs out of frame, her panic and facial demeanor drops It's just kind of looking at him and just like with the most like cold hearted, this is what you deserve. I can play this game too. Moment where I was so hype during this scene. My wife is hype too. Looking at Adrian as he's bleeding to death, dying. And you get in, you, you share so much emotion with the character of Cecilia where you're like, finally there's peace. So James rushes in because he heard murder and calling cops. And he's like, what happened? She's like, I, he killed himself. And she's like, I I wanted to get him to confess. He's like, was this ever part of getting him to confess? She's like, I genuinely hoped he would confess. But I also believe that, and this is coming from me, that she knew he wouldn't. I think there was a small part of her that hoped, but she knew he wouldn't do it. So it made sense why she stored the suit earlier now for this moment where the tables have turned and the just desserts have come. And that's really the movie. That's it. And so Cecilia is like free and she leaves with her suit. So who knows what this can possibly be setting up? I hope not much because I mean, that's that's the entire movie. But it was so good and i don't want them to ruin this with sequels uh something i mentioned earlier that i was going to get back to was what bothered me about the scene uh, earlier with her sister and her there's a handful of moments where i'm like come on that's not that's not realistic because at that point they granted the writer does a job of like a, a, a decent job at kind of hinting that they have a not great relationship between each other, between Cecilia and Emily, that there's a distance between them. But Cecilia has been abused for a long time, a period of time, and has been rescued by Emily, hiding, and then all of a sudden a bunch of hate mail comes in. It makes no sense, and that's one of the moments where I couldn't really forgive it. I mean the whole point was Adrian is trying to isolate Cecilia from her friends and family which makes sense apparently that's very common in in abusers uh an abusive relationship from the the abuser strate- strategy-wise he wants to isolate her that way she's dependent on him also known as the Dennis system uh oh god this is Dennis system the movie uh sorry <laughs> so Adrian is doing that and so like the scene where Emily is like basically shutting off Cecilia, where she's like, you are mean to me in an email. I felt like Cecilia didn't really fight enough back, where she's like, so an email, I didn't call you, I didn't send you a hand letter, I emailed you, the thing literally anybody can do, and here I am telling you, that my crazy ex-boyfriend, who was a genius in literally optics, why wouldn't he have some kind of technology, that can make him invisible? So that scene bothered me a bit, uh, the scene initially of her stashing the suit bothered me a little bit. I thought she was going to put on the suit and get out. Uh, Bothered me a tiny bit. These are nitpicky kind of things. I loved the movie by the end of it because it was way better than what it needed to be. And so I like that. There was the little twist with the brother too, about him being the killer as well. This movie deals with heavy themes like an abusive relationship and uh, believing the victim. You know, it's ob- absolutely topical and it does it and applies it to a story that is basically played out and makes it contemporary. And I loved it. I thought it is the perfect story for the Invisible Man. Because he can't, like I mentioned, he can't be threatening and stuff in like a mass scale. He's only horrifying to a hand, small handful of people, which... Having basically one protagonist, Elizabeth, having her basically be the entire movie, really allows us as the viewer to feel all her emotions and feel her, uh, sense of fear and the the victim, the effects of being stalked. Like it's so good, I can't speak highly enough of this movie. It was so much better than it needed to be. I've decided that I'm going to change the way I grade movies on here. I just I found that scoring out of ten was uh kind of confusing some people because like if I say I really liked a movie, uh so seven, people were like, Well that sucks. And I'm like, no, seven is high, but apparently that's it doesn't and I understand from their point of view, it doesn't really convey exactly my thoughts on the movie. So I decided instead of doing uh one through ten, I'm gonna give it an alphabetic grade like school, A, B, C, D, F. So, the Invisible Man 2020. I'm going to give a solid A. I really enjoyed this movie. Tiny little things I wish they would have done better and would have done. I would have loved more dynamic camera effects like that one scene earlier, like I mentioned. Uh, You get the slightest tone of like ghost type movie. And I kind of wish they would have leaned into that a little bit more as well. Uh, It could have been scarier, frankly, in my opinion. I mean, it is a horror movie, apparently. And it's in the it's the Invisible Man, one of the OG monsters. So, kind of wish they would have uh, leaned into the horror aspect a little bit more. But like I said, these are me just like what I would have wanted, what I wanted out of it, what I would have done differently. The movie is still great on itself. So, solid A. Uh, something else I'll mention real quick is I love the the nods to the original Invisible Man stuff, the the like hat and coat Easter egg, and there's a scene where. Uh, Cecilia goes to the hospital and sees a, a, a thing that's like a burn victim like wrapped in bandages. It's little things like that that uh, for the film buffs like me, we get giddy. And we're like, yeah, that's the, he's, you, you knew the old thing because this is how many times I've seen The Invisible Man. And so it's just nice to get those kinds of uh, little nods towards the thing. And so I really enjoyed it. I highly recommend you check it out. I can't wait for more. I hope the next uh, monster movie, which I don't know if they've announced yet, I hope it follows in this vein of good original story. And something else I really want to mention real quick. This is a Blumhouse movie. And so that's something I really, really like. It's the Blumhouse guys. They did get out. They did paranormal activity stuff. Like they do great, great horror movies. Like just good independent stories. So they're one of the, uh, I think it's Jason Blum. He's one of the dudes in the Blumhouse pictures. I'll virtually see any movie they do or the studios involved in because They take chances and this movie was a super small budget. Let me look this up real quick. The budget was $7 million. The mummy was like over $120 million and sucked. This was seven. That's less than Deadpool. That is a shoestring budget that they made a masterpiece with. I granted this still early in the year, but this might end up being one of my favorite films of the year, just because it just, it was such a well-contained story that nailed its scale. So definitely check out the invisible man. I can't speak highly enough of it. Thank you, Ian, for recommending I talk about it. Uh, again, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this episode, but thanks to your recommendation. I I definitely wanted to get my thoughts out. Uh, if there's anything you'd like for me to talk about, you'd like for me and the guys to discuss in the main cast, send us an email at genregeekscast at gmail.com. Again, that's genregeekscast at gmail.com. Uh, we read your letters on on air, and we have been streaming our podcast live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash genregeeks. Check out our Facebook page where we're posting all kinds of stuff and showing all kinds of memes that we've been receiving. Thank you guys so much for sending those memes and if there's anything you want me to talk about on the channel let me know and until next time bye